0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Radio Oedipus podcast, a podcast where we discuss the culture of beer, brought to you by Oedipus Brewing, and I'm your host, Danny Walker. Joining me in the studio for today's show is Sander Naderveen, head brewer and co-founder of Oedipus, and also Gijs van Vixen, co-founder of Utrecht's De Kromerharing. Gijs co-founded De Kroma Haring with brewmaster Stephen Grigg back in 2016 and together they have been running the brew pub ever since. If you're familiar with the Dutch craft beer scene, sure enough you'll know De Kroma Haring. If not, you'll want to try one of their beers after this show. I'm sure. Our conversation started with quite an in-depth talk about yeast cultures and then we discussed what it means to be a craft brewer and some of Chais' ideas about beer. He has a great opinion about freedom and autonomy within craft beer and listen out for probably my favourite analogy so far when he compares the start of de Kroma Haring to the famous Sex Pistols gig at Manchester's Lesser Free Trade Hall. As well as that we talk about three different beers from de Kroma Haring's library which Chais will introduce throughout the show. All that on today's Radio Oedipus podcast. Welcome to Radio Oedipus. Sander, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Nice. And we are joined by Gijs from Utrecht to Chroma Haring. Hi there. How are you doing?
1: I'm uh, doing pretty Okay.
0: Nice, good, good. Well, thanks for joining us. The uh, Cromer Herring, well represented in the Dutch craft beer scene. Lots of uh, interesting beers, quirky and tasty, ranging all the way to the funky and more expressive ones. Previous guest, uh, Jan Lemons of the Carnival Brett and Amicis fame, uh, is also one of your fine brewers. Also a good time to maybe mention your uh, fellow co-founder, Stephen, who does a lot of the brewing. Uh, yeah, it's a strong team. Well respected in the Dutch craft beer world, and not only in Utrecht but uh, internationally now, shall we say? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting it off, <laughs> shrugging it off. Uh, now, yeah, we've we've chatted with lots of people connected to the Dutch craft beer scene, and recently a lot of people with a uh, kind of food culture uh, background. And it'd be interesting to kind of get your perspective on you as a maker, you as a local producer, and uh, dive into your interests and the world around uh, the chrome herring. Um right, you've also brought us some beer, so we're gonna talk about the beer on the show. What beer have you brought us, guys Um
1: yeah, it's a mixed mixed bunch. as basically all
0: our, our beers are are sort of
1: going in a couple of directions. I have two big bottles here. Uh, the people here can see, but not the people at home obviously <laughs> uh one is uh, uh which kind of represents our uh, let's say mixed side so we do a lot of mixed fermentation nice. in very limited amounts um and I have a couple of cans that is yeah a little bit representative of of another another side of the brewery that' I'll, a lot of other people know us uh, for. So I brought a barrel age keeping porter, which is called Jonah and the Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought, uh, the other big bottle is um, Marinus, which is a collab with Schneerle from Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll explain what the beers are later, perhaps. But uh, And then on cans, I have a very fresh uh Slightly different take on the New England IPA. Yeah, cool. Um, which is just canned. Which is, was canned when I was being canned when I left the brewery. So, um, and they are sort of underfills, but rich underfills, as you do. And uh, some uh, some uh, session IPA. I think. Oh no, this is just that beer. Sorry. No worries. Yeah. Should we start with that? Yeah, which one are we starting with? Um, well, maybe it's the uh, it's uh, we can we can start with the uh, New
0: England, I guess. Yeah, let's
1: it's, go for uh, it. It's nice a refreshing one i guess yeah I let's hope. do it
2: can each
0: yeah come on yeah friday we're recording on a friday afternoon towards the end of the day i think uh, we can all a can now when see? you were told me you were bringing this beer you just said uh, i didn't see the name of the beer which is Warmouth, or how would you pronounce that heist uh, just warmouth warmouth that's how you say it i i thought you should, i i just said bootleg ipa i thought you were just uh I thought it was just some uh, IPA, uh, New England IPA you'd just made, especially for this week, some bootleg uh, (laughs) beer. Now, explain to me what what do you mean by bootleg New England IPA. Yeah, the
1: the fun thing is, uh, and we kind of already hit like a core thing that we do in the brewery, Uh, we tend to to collab and do interesting things, not only with other breweries, but also with uh, just other people and events and stuff. But also with, we actually kind of like working with small yeast labs that we oh, yeah. kind of meet meet up around in festivals and just on on the internet. So we mm-hmm. have a couple of uh, uh, great yeasty yeasty friends because we really dig yeast. Basically, I think okay. that for us that's one of our central things in the in the brewery. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, we call this a but- 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 like naipa because we we are using a, a yeast blend that's produced by Bootleg Biology, which is a very small uh, yeast lab in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, mostly mm-hmm. known, actually, for more funky um, strains, retinomyces strains. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is okay. their sort of New England blend that they release as uh, as NIPA and W-E-P-A-H, um, their NEPA blend. And uh, we really wanted to try it because we heard good stories and nobody was really kind of using it over here so we decided Mm. to get it over and then we're experimenting a little bit with it Mm. so um so looking for that naipa full-bodied hoppy hoppy aroma thing but then try to introduce try to find some variation in the yeast strains that you use uh is one of the things that we we
0: do like to do um it's very fresh it's very young i tried it just before but, uh, yeah, man, that's really. Um, you're the first brewery that I've spoken to, and maybe Sander has come across more. But the first brewery I've come across that are actively looking for or working with different yeast developers. Why? Why is that so interesting for you guys? Well, th- this actually stems from Stephen, yeah. my uh,
1: my yeah my business partner and uh, chief chief brewing actually, um, who's who's always been as a biologist very. Very preoccupied with with yeasts as, as sort of the the reason to make beers mm-hmm. the the sort of the the basis of the process mm-hmm. the the thing that imbues the most interesting flavors into a beer
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's so he used to be a biologist and he was a home brewer and he was already working with these smaller strains from a, and he's he's from the u s originally uh, so he's very much in that scene, and he was already trading yeasts mm-hmm. and, and brewing homebrew batches. And that was, well, always, key was for him was what type of yeast do I use, and how does it interact mm-hmm. with the other ingredients? Which is, I think, a slightly different approach than a lot of um, homebrewers and brewers, because yeast can also just be seen as the workhorse, right? Mm. It translates the ingredients to an alcohol to uh, beer into beer, basically. <laughs> but yeah. and does not much more it just makes makes it beer it makes it alcohol and and uh um um that it has co2 which is very simplistic to say obviously but um so we and we really try to make our brew up as a basis where we could always work with these different types of yeasts that we weren't confined whether by volume or by cost mm-hmm. Uh, to just work with these select yeasts that people use out of convenience, mm. which we also do mm. because they work fine. Yeah. But uh, and then you kind of end up with this. Yeah, you make a New England IPA. Everybody makes a New England IPA. Yeah. Um, everybody. So, well, almost everybody makes a New England <laughs> IPA. Uh, the real the the real cool kids don't anymore. But, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, uh, and then you start thinking, okay, how can we how can we find our little. Um, our, our little niche you yeah, would say,
0: signature or, yeah. or something
1: and the, th- and the first thing actually is just using happy yeasts which we kind of call happy yeast is really look in terms of uh propagating yeast yourself that it's just a, a lively mm-hmm. uh a lively culture mm-hmm. um and then the other one is try different yeast mm-hmm. and uh and i think this is an, a nice in, um this is a nice example of it because it's a beer that's for It's still full-body, but it's a little bit drier. It has a certain kind of pineapple thing that we suspect that there is a certain, not to be too technical, but we think that there is a, a variant of Trois in this blend, uh, which we also make other IPAs with, but with a different kind of uh, strain of that yeast. But you kind of get sort of that pineapple uh, spicy note. It's a little bit drier
0: than your yeah. average uh, New England IPA. So it's, a, it's just fun experiments. Yeah, it's really interesting, man. It definitely doesn't have that in a different element has, doesn't have that big juicy uh, flavor that you expect from most hazies or New England IPAs. It's, it's, it's really delicious. It's great, man. Is this a process that you would find interesting Sander, trying to work with different yeast uh, developers? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I think we chatted about this uh, recently on another show, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Or the one that yeah. The one that might be coming out soon, who knows.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh no, yeah, sure. No, I, I think it's uh it's great that uh there are more of these yeast labs coming up and um would you also consider that a result of the craft beer movement or is it something that yeah uh it comes from a different side are there uh, do you think they're mostly brewers or is it just microbiologists or uh, yeah why do people why did steven didn't start a yeast lab well, well pragmatically speaking i think
1: because he was in the netherlands and um uh yeah, he liked to make beer, I guess. And uh, meaning the Netherlands is that what we notice is that a lot of like these small yeast labs, um, they really find their little thing in that American craft craft beer scene, where you have a yeast lab, and then surrounding that there are all kinds of breweries, and they decide to source their yeast from that lab, which is a local lab. And I, that's not something really, not yet at least, working in in a small scale as. Uh, of, uh, like here in the Netherlands. I don't see the Dutch craft brewers all flocking to Gertjes Gist Lab. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, There's a Dutch guy, actually, yeah. we work with uh, oh, Jasper yeah? oh, Akerboom. Yeah. But with, he's in the US. Yeah, he's oh. in the US and he oh. moved there and He has his little, like, niche yeast lab. Um, I think it's in North Carolina or something. And uh, And then people just come to him and get the yeast and then they make beer with it. So... It's definitely a result of the craft beer scene. I have not seen it as a result of the Dutch or even the European craft beer scene. Do you think it will come? Uh, difficult. Yeah. Where, always, what, what White Labs does something yeah, like it, in right? Copenhagen. In Copenhagen. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, sure. But, uh, now, I've always been jealous uh, in the past when I was in the US or spoke to American brewers that they had... Especially on the West Coast, they had mm-hmm. Y Yeast in California or no White Labs in California and uh Y yeast in uh in Oregon, I guess. And uh they could just get the freshest pitches and mm-hmm. if we want th- those were the liquid yeast suppliers uh also available in the, in Europe. And I think there's a couple of uh of, of, of universities with massive yeast banks and yeah, I've been approached with people, okay we have these banks and we can we're looking for brewers to, to 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 yeah use some some yeast that that are, are forgotten really and 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 they know they're there they have some descriptions about them but they but yeah never really took off here i guess it, were uh, those
0: those two you mentioned with did they start out as a result of the american craft beer
2: scene they're both relatively new right why yeast was founded by a guy who does now lokson not that long ago not not like centuries yeah. old it's not centuries old it's relatively new yeah maybe 90s or maybe mm. slightly before that but it's definitely geared towards not towards big beer. you know they're, yeah. they're they're you know uh bigger labs uh, uh yeah. or maybe they do that themselves or cosberg like also probably has their own uh, facilities too and, and heineken or so um but um uh yeah, I've 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 always liked that idea. And and of course during Carnival Betramise, there's a lot of these guys also from Bootleg. He come, comes over and gives lectures mm. about uh wild yeast hunting and uh he sells kits to do that yourself. And uh they, it, it, I think it's very exciting. And I'm, I was always hoping uh a bit lesser nowadays, because I think shipping became also v- way easier and these guys ship you know uh mm-hmm. bootleg es- escarpment jasper also mm-hmm. they ship worldwide and that wasn't really the case uh back in the day so mm. well, what, one of the things that i'm still
1: noticing but um, and i'm hoping that changes is that the, the the just the basic idea of propagating yeast in your own brewery is not that common in even if in 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 dutch brewers that have tanks basically so they tend to kind of uh just you know, think. Oh, we can always use a block of dry yeast, and that's fine, and it works, and it's stable, and we don't have all the issues of propagating the yeast. Propagating basically meaning
0: mm.
1: make a a small pack into a big pack because it it multiplies obviously. Mm-hmm. And once you, we for us that was like the the, the start of it. Like we are going to propagate yeast, we're going to do that, and obviously we're smaller, so we could do it. So it's a little tank. We have a couple of little tanks for wild yeast and just mm-hmm. to propagate it up, <clears throat> but it's not without its its sort of. Risks doing mm. that alongside of just your production just quality uh, quali- uh, quality is it wise. difficult
0: to to do and maintain is it how uh volatile well, is yeast
1: well now it's the, the, there's always there's the infection yeah,
0: problem yeah. basically and
1: that's a quite a broad range of problems that you could that you could have and and once you basically if you do it we do it like an, an elaborated um, homebrew uh kind of situation where you just start from a little pitch and then you put it in a, in a Erlmeyer and then you you know and then step it, it up you step, you step it up you step, by it by up, step, step it up step it up and actually <coughs> in every step there is a little bit of there's if you don't maintain your practices properly, there's risk
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then once you start using multiple yeasts in your brewery um then there will be multiple risks mm-hmm. um, so that's that's a big challenge and that was the challenge for us from the re- t- from the get-go is that, okay we want to do this and then there's this confidence in your practices, but also then experience kicks in, and we've been doing this for four years and we are very happy with the results, but it's not without mm. some moments that you think, hmm, something. Yeah, we can do we can we can do this better. We so, learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, we learned a lot basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's I mean, you really have to yeah, it's it gives you like this breadth of of options to make beers with, but it's I totally get that people decide, eh? Leave that to someone else. Yeah, or we, we'll do that once we're yeah. once we're bigger. Yeah, but I think it, it, it starts there, just by having that notion of uh, w- which yeast are we going to use.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: or maybe I- a step before that. Are what uh, in what are we going to stand out as a brewer? Mm-hmm. Is it yeast forward beers? Is it hop forward beers? I can imagine that if you're making hop forward beers, it's lesser of an issue if you want to work with one house culture you know it's a different story again you have one house culture you propagation happens in every fermentation tank so uh, if you can harvest from your tank and you can keep it and and feed it again before you use it the next time or keep it happy keep it growing keep it happy keep it uh, healthy uh, then yeah you, you have to find your methods but there you can do that also with very crude means you Mm. know if you have a bucket you can harvest yeast and if you have a cold room you can store it cold and if you have a a wart again you can chuck in the bucket and you have another fermentation going Mm. it might yeah the the more elaborate your methods are and and the more detail you or more attention you pay to detail the the better or more predictable your results may be but you can do this with very simple means and and yeah it's really the choice i guess of the brewer what you what you want to focus on and what you what types of beer you want to make and, yeah, and especially, what point you want to make and especially
1: mm. as a commercial brewer that's the beauty of of home brewing and it's also yeah. the the reason why we have this whole, whole home brew culture around our brewery which is great and they mm. in normal times meet up every month and they talk and but it's always you can always say to them what you're doing you can you can now do absolutely everything and I'm not and it's not that I don't want you to step up and make a big batch of beer if you want to do it please do mm-hmm. sell it to your friends and family but realize that what you are doing now you can do absolutely everything because mm-hmm. the scale is so small and for us that homebrew attitude we wanted to maintain it in a bigger brewery mm-hmm. um, and then you make choices related to that and now we are four years in and we decided hmm, we we made some choices Maybe we should have made different choices. We'll still make it work. Mm. But just because we wanted to maintain this this small scale, and I was like, hmm, maybe we start a little bit too small. But then again, we'll figure it out. Mm. And we'll,
0: uh... But did, would you say that this uh, playing around with yeast, your signature, let's call it, is your way of being creative as a as a brewer at the Kromer It it is,
1: it is a major, major part of it. Yeah. Um, we are also creative on other fronts, and we do make hop. For instance, also a lot of hoppy beers, and people know us for the hoppy beers. Yeah. And then it's the the yeast discussion is a little bit more on on the back burner. But for us, is
2: it? Well, just this is a hop forward beer that we're drinking yeah. now. It's a New England IPA. Yeah. But it's also it, we talk about yeast now. Yeah. 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 No, and you spoke about the pineapple, and yeah. you spoke about, and I've yeah the first brews I had from Stephen were. They were always about yeast. How can okay. we, And they were always IPAs and they were always about yeast. Mm-hmm. And it, it could have been English yeast. Strain. It was never, I think, USO 5 or Chico or the, the American Ale yeast strain. Yeah. That's very neutral. And it was the, the go-to yeast uh, around 2012 or so when we met up first. And and so it was either White Labs 007. It's an English strain, I guess. Uh, and he, he started as one of the first to use 100% bread beers. I use Sacktra, uh, which uh, yeah, uh, which was called bread back then, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I think that it it it. There are hoppy beers, sure, but they. It's not just that. It's not mm-hmm. clean yeast, and maybe that's with all the New England strains. Maybe but London Three is also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, expressive I mean, I, I, strain or more expressive strain than Chico.
1: I, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm mostly. I was talking a little bit with my my sales. Head on is that we don't. Well, this is an, uh, this New England we actively promote as a ye- as a yeast forward New England IPA, but it, it, in our normal happy beers we don't, and we kind of hope that subtly that makes the difference. Why why our beers are slightly have a different identity mm. than than other beers? Because you play
0: around with the yeast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so when preparing for this uh, interview sander mentioned to me that you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a brewer i think that's quite an interesting question to ask you now since you've just talked quite technically about brewing would you call yourself a brewer i would not not call myself a brewer. <laughs> uh
1: if you want to approach it technically um i'm i i've made uh ward myself i think once in once in my life and i've uh, been part of the brewing process, uh, maybe five times actively. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was always the big difference of, um, yeah, so I've, I've never been a a technical brewer, mm-hmm. but I've, my experience does come. I was thinking it on the, on my way over that I'm in this game, as you might say, in this beer game for 12 years now. So mm-hmm. in 2008, I started working with, with beers in, in, in a bar in Utrecht, mm-hmm. um, um, and with craft beers and different beers and I actually come from down South. So I always, beer was always a, a, uh, how do you call it? It's a multifaceted thing. It was never like a simple thing. Yeah. When I had my first, when I was way too young to drink half liters, it, the odds, it was like a, just a chance whether it was Pilsner or it was palm or Koenig or whatever, mm-hmm. because uh, that was just the option. So, um, yeah, um. I've, I've I've been so involved in it um that the whole and now I, I own a brewery mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that all these beers the types of beers and the direction of these beers are very much I'm, I'm very much involved.
0: Yeah you have like Same. a clear direction of how you uh want a chrome beer to be or see that yeah. see that and so like in an essence that is maybe more of a craft brewer kind of you are I would say that arguably you are a brewer because you co run a brewery and you speak very passionately about the direction of chroma hiring uh, beers yeah um, and it's and, and i'm I'm very much involved in the creative process
1: in yeah. that sense I'm, I'm it's not we're we're so small mm. and everybody has these multiple functions and uh, uh in the brewery, and we discuss so many so many things so that i'm yeah on mm. on the creative. On the creative side, I'm very much involved. Yeah. Even though I'm not technically making recipes, I might give directions and and input, and then Steve comes with his expertise. Yeah. And the other brewers pitch in, Mm. start to do weird things. We're like a misfit crew, and we want to keep that freedom. So then you're very
0: open... It is, it sounds oh, yeah. like it, the only real difference differences is you're not like physically pouring the hops in or what that physically yeah. involved in the process. Now, and Sander, what what was, sorry to interrupt, what's your opinion on this? Because you've said on the show before that you don't have many brew shifts uh, anymore. How, how do you view this?
2: Um, well, there's uh, yeah a couple of things to say. I think we had uh, Willem van Wasberg here the other day. The global master brewer of Heineken. I don't yeah. think he has much brew shifts, you yeah. know. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think he explained it himself. He says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm not so much, and he never was a, a practical brewer, but more theoretical." I, I think that was the, like the term that, yeah. he used. Uh, but he is very much a brewer, I would say. And I, th- I think also uh, myself. I, I think, I, I yeah, I, I also started in this, started a brewery. So when it was really small, and mm-hmm. then. I think also the others they call themselves brewers because we had a brewery and uh, we did a lot of things all together uh, but yeah i think we all called ourselves brewers Uh, i think once a company grows then you know there's also people involved that really stand a bit further from the making process Um, but yeah so the the size plays a role the uh, of the brewery the the type of person and the, the ideas about beer uh and and yeah yeah something like that you mm-hmm. know and i have a question actually about this because what, what where, where where do you uh where do your beers ideas start where because in, in a way i i see steven's hand in 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 your guys' mm-hmm. beers maybe also a bit of Jan, but what's uh, wh- where do you come from uh yeah <laughs> or where do you do from? where do you come, come from <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah well, well that's a confronting question actually so uh um, no but
2: is it uh, belgium that shaped you or was it uh, growing up in the south or uh, cafe Belgium, i mean
1: um yeah i think so um uh, um my if we just talk purely inspiration
2: yeah or was it a trip somewhere or was it uh, no no no
1: i'm i'm, I'm actually i well, I'm, it feels like a little bit like grandpa talking about uh, about back in the day. But the funny no, thing we are, like that we like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. On so, the show. Fun, but the funny <laughs> thing is, so I, I but I'm one of those t- typical, uh, you know, a lot of ac- um, academia, and then at a certain point, it kind of runs dry, and you work, and what's left, you work in a bar, basically. That's that's what kind of how how it Sounds went. Familiar, and I, yeah. Um,
0: yeah,
1: and I, I was working at Cafe Belki, which is a uh, which is one of those original. Kind of bars completely run down, hasn't been renovated since the <coughs> early nineties and stuff. Um, still has, still hasn't actually. Um, and uh, but there was a lot of at that point, a lot of. So we're talking two thousand eight now. There was a lot of sort of freedom, and and it was very much Belgium focused, but there was space to kind of experiment a little bit. And there was a very hands off management from that perspective, just very like casually. Uh, um, and while I was still working the bar, um, and. What kind of happened is that at, that that kind of my arrival in that bar kind of coincided with let's say it's that in the second wave, I'm not sure, but just a lot of young enthusiastic most mostly dudes, fortunately, but hey um, uh, and they all showed up, they showed up with a keg of beer, basically, you could say they were just kind of brewers,
2: you mean not consumers brewers no bro- yeah, yeah, yeah brewers yeah, Sorry, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, so Dutch the, brewers yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and and so the funny thing is, I saw these these people all arou- arrive with their first beer. I think we had the very first monolith distilled brewed
0: yeah. um, at at the, at, at the mola, birds, and definitely. I think it was Paul who brought yeah. it so you reckon, maybe recognized something in these people that they were young, they were they were young people yeah. maybe yeah
1: I just saw young people kind of. Bringing their product over, and we were in a luxury position that we and with 20 tabs, which was quite a lot back in the day. Um, and we could kind of say, Okay, the first one is on us. I always kind of said that sort of the first beer is on us. So, and then we immediately could get we took five kegs, like 100 liters, because we were just pouring like crazy back in the, in, in those days. So, uh, we were also a significant everybody showed up at Cuffin <laughs> België first because you know, best sold, <laughs> <yeah, five laughs> basically, but uh, really, like from from two chefs um um Jasper uh of uh, of Compan Robert <laughs> everybody showed up yeah. and and with a, with and brought their own kegs in yeah, yeah yeah and that for me was like the first time was like hey this is funny this is something's happening here and I got I got quite I was looking for new means to express myself because I wasn't planning on working just behind the bar uh yeah so I kind of you know washed up in that bar <laughs> And then from there on, it kind of uh, it, it it developed, and I started getting I started getting more influence in what beers were on, and then yeah, you, I mean, I remember the first Russian Imperial Stout that really drew me in was Yeti by the Great uh, the Great Divide, and you could get a keg in, which was from the US, and it, it might sound strange, but it, there was really not that much US beer outside of maybe the Beer Temple uh, in Amsterdam, so you just and and. Yeah, so you put that on, and then whoa, sour beer on tap, and there's mm. mostly kettle sours. Especially, I guess well, the Wild Beer Company has been quite influential for me. Oh yeah, um, just putting it on and see what happens, mm-hmm. ah. and people drank it, and you, there felt so no so much uh, possibility there. Yeah, and then the the bacon. That's also one of the reasons I like sitting at this table, and I actually I think Erwin also said it in in a podcast, but I also went to the Westerdok.
2: Uh, I got yeah. invited. Uh, uh,
1: that first Oedipus uh, um, idea up, of yeah. a group-up. Yeah. and I remember it's like for me, it's one of those weird um, seeing the Sex Pistols at Lesser Fre- uh, Free Trade Hall in yeah. Manchester <laughs> kind of things. Like walking in there, it's like, oh, 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 but but I can I can I can do this. This works. I can see a bar. I can see people making the beer, and it was way too small and all the other stuff. But it was definitely one of those moments, like. Oh fair enough. I can do this. And like parallel I met Steve and yeah. And the rest is kind of
2: history. So yes. that's a little bit the Yeah, but my question was mostly about beer, but it was the that though. I'll, I'll, yeah. it was a great I'll, I'll put, th- there was the the diversity, the great diversity of beers that you that came to you basically in Cafe Belgique there. Yeah. From an imperial stout to sour to IPAs, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, so there was already a base that that beer could be a lot of different things. And also the the idea of of tradition, which I always really enjoyed, so there was this big fridge with all these Belgian beers, yeah, and you and you could have your weird favorites, like mm-hmm. just drinks Saison only Pont or Orval, mm-hmm. Orval all day. Um, um, but then there was were, were these new these new approaches that just yeah that triggered the taste buds, and I saw stuff happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, how it's it, I find it very difficult to kind of pinpoint where. Where I am in the flavor of 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 these beers?
2: No, but, but. I think it's more. Yeah, I'd like to 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 get your idea where 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 you do. You seem to have an opinion about it, though, about mm. yeast, the role of yeast, the role of hops, the different styles that are around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just being involved in beer for twelve years, and that then you form an opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and I'm very. I must admit that also I'm I'm also very um, triggered by other people's enthusiasm. So you're also creating, and that's and that's a manager manager in me. And you try to create spaces where people can can kind of flourish. So what I find interesting um, in that you taste, let's say Jan. Jan is an interesting example because he used to work for ages at beer coning, a lot of uh, experience, always into, and he also organizes kind of And at a certain point, he just Send us an email and said, "I want to stop. Uh, I'm 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 done with this with shop life, mm. and I want to start brewing." Uh, and we were honored that we were one of those breweries in the Netherlands that he considered. Yeah, was already organi- uh, organized about uh, Betonmijzes. Yeah, but a lot of knowledge and experience and connections, but no no
0: practical experience. no brewing experience. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, and then you say, "Well, what are we going to do?" And it's, 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 <laughs> of, of course, yes, right? Because it's young. I mean, we really want it, but it's like, yeah, oh, okay, now fair enough. C- come into the fold, and and we'll and we'll uh, make it work. And and now he's, um, yeah, he's he's just a, a great turned into a great brewer has has great ideas, and I find it. But I also find it very funny. It's like, ah, but I can taste young in this beer. It's like. Yeah, that's true, but it's a yeah, but it's the uh, that's come hang and Jan, right? Yeah, mixed together.
0: Would you say beer, like what I find fascinating is you said when you that moment in Cafe Belgium where you were looking for some way to express yourself, and then in the same way when you're talking about Jan, in that you were honoured to have him want to come and work for you, Uh, would you say beer making is a way of being creative and finding? Did you find that uh, that uh, kind of self-expression? in the chroma herring yeah 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 it's, it's it's central i think
1: uh I've, I've said also to people before i even thought i'm gonna make beer was really i had this kind of motto in my head because i was in academia and it was like this idea mm-hmm. sort of okay if i write a book and it's going to be on shelves in the uh, in libraries like just in the back room collecting dust but then at least you know i'm out there in the world and that kind of failed and then it kind of for me inverted and i was like okay fair enough that's not gonna work so what where do i have control over or we can make a space Mm -hmm. we can make a space where stuff happens Mm -hmm. um and you kind of make your weird kind of mark sounds very like idealistic and stuff but you kind of make a mark Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in the world and 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 that kind of connected i think i the fact that we in 2019 at least have bands playing in our pub, actually, first I wanted to open a bar that had bands playing and then I opened a brewery that had a bar and then three years later there's bands playing, right? So it kinda <laughs> it just <laughs> it weird got stuff mixed up one way. way or another. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: But it's it's much about the space and the people in that space. Yeah. And the people visiting that space. That's uh and what, what what's happening there. That it's really a central drive, I guess.
0: Yeah, and what is that would you say that's like the most exciting part of uh being a craft brewer, you would say? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe its biggest question more exciting part of being uh your own boss or, or, or how would you define it?
1: I, I like if, if you kind of uh, think of it in terms of being your own boss that's important.
0: Yeah. Uh
1: t- to me um but then uh, there's also what do you want to achieve with the beer? Do you want to have your beer everywhere or do you want to have ni- a, a, a nice set of beer drinkers? Mm-hmm. You wanted to reach the nice the interesting drinkers you want mm. to like tingle their taste buds or whatever yeah um that's definitely more more of a motivation than getting the beer out there everywhere or, or making a lot of money which is fairly impossible in beer anyway but sort of uh um we are joking that we at a certain point want to have like a, a speedboat but yeah it's never going to happen right it's just <laughs> a, it's like
0: we can dream yeah. i th- i think it would be uh, i want to talk maybe a bit more about that same same subject speedboats that is <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> An helicopter. <laughs> but, but, and helicopters but i think <laughs> it'd be a nice moment to maybe introduce another beer um yeah. so which one we're going to go for next um
2: What what triggers your interest it's but, up to you man
1: it's very uh, um well let's try the 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 the, the all right Sure.
2: Yeah. Can I have the honors? Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, so explain a little bit about uh, the German brewery that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. Schneerle from, from Berlin, right? Explain yeah, a little right. bit about
1: them. Well, that's... Yeah. Let's talk about unique brewers. <laughs> um, uh, Schneerle is uh, um, is Ulrike and, uh, and Andreas. It's a couple living in uh, in Berlin. And they are really focused on uh, um, uh, yeah making with a twist but still very traditional or traditional style Berliner Weisse beers okay. so sour beers uh, with their own house culture which has wild yeast in there, and then they do they <coughs> detest fruited sours, so we this is a beer maybe uh, but but sort of they they do. Have additions to it, but it will never be your fruit that's sour that you now see everywhere, mm-hmm. basically, okay. because they want to keep that sort of tradition in. And this beer is called Marinus, and we made this at Funkfest last year, which is a festival that we're uh, normally doing small scale. Uh, uh, and they were uh, just in our brewery, and we invited some brewers over. And uh, it's called Marinus, uh, named after Marinus. Uh, is that from the Lubbe? The, the, it's a historical reference um, we might talk about it later but it's a wild lichtenhainer. we call it a wild lichtenhainer with cranberries Lichtenhainer being a traditional slightly smoked sour Snoty. beer it's, it's tasty and uh, we added a whole bunch of uh, cranberries with it and it, it lagered for quite a while we just it needed some time so it's almost a year since we brewed it and uh,
2: only stainless steel or also barrel
1: no, this is all uh, plastic, actually.
2: Plastic, sure. This is oh.
0: the third one. Time for a quick break, just to let you know what's going on in the world of Oedipus at the moment. If you're in Amsterdam, please make sure to check out the Oedipus friend shop at the Bad House on Javaplein. We've invited a bunch of our friends and previous radio guests to sell some of their produce in the bad house. Every Saturday there will be some extra excitement, including DJs and even some live brewing. That both myself and Sander are taking part in. Pop down, take a look around and remember to exit through the gift shop. Like I said at the top of the show, this podcast is brought to you by Udipus Brewing. We broadcast weekly and to catch up with previous episodes, you can head over to our website, udipus.com forward slash radio. There you will find our whole back catalogue. The show is available wherever you might get your podcasts and by searching Radio Uripus on your podcast app. If you want to get in contact with me, send a message to radio at Uripus.com. But for now, let's get back into it with Heis and Sander. I have a couple of questions back on kind of what you were talking about before, not speedboats, but um, something to do with uh, the Kromer Haring and the culture around it. The brew pub is a big part of what? you guys are all about right and you were talking a bit about that what kind of people come to your brew pub and support you and w- what do you want people to think when they're drinking your beer is it this sense of community uh, yeah well definitely it's a bit of a buzzword obviously but the more
1: the more i'm in a community the more important it it, it is oh. to me into the to the hiring i think yeah we we we've been catering to this wide variety of uh of of, uh, of clientele,
0: mm.
1: um, which goes all the way from the beer tourist that comes in occasionally or will revisit us mm. at, every year towards just yeah just a lot of local folk mm-hmm. that live around it. Mm. But I think the common denominator is that people come in because the vibe is okay, and then they will, in a in a quite unassuming manner, will be triggered to. Mm to try something new
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we do and we basically even though this is a very sour beer so i'm not sure if this latest one is the best Good example, example. <laughs> but we we tend to not make beers that will whack you over the head with um we are just as proud of our of our low apv drinkable beers and drinkability is always mm-hmm. in in the core of our recipe development um um, and that kind of creates this environment where people, in a and also our our staff, our bar staff is just great at at getting people in and kind of motivating them to drink something else, but always in a very open minded way. So there's like sn- snobbishness or beer snobbishness is just not something we 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 frown we frown upon it. And the funny mm. thing is, there's quite some beer snobs showing up. Mm but then they kind of the 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 ones in our community they kind of leave the snobbishness at the door and they start drinking at the bar and then yeah and they will still share a bottle of cantillon when when they
0: uh, once they bring it do you have like a set of principles for when like starting it out to maybe try and nurture this community or to try and draw it in well my, my, my the,
1: the prim- primarily just a, a um an inclusive yeah. really an inclusiveness um and uh and really, this sort of idea that there's no, there's no, yeah, it sounds all so kind of cliche when you say it like that, but isn't. But I've always been taught there's no wrong answers yeah. as far as taste is concerned. Yeah. So if somebody says, "I don't, I don't like IPA," which happens mm. quite a lot, um, then we have such a wide variety of IPAs that without saying you're wrong, we can just say. Okay, fair enough. What don't you like about it? And then you start that whole process, and then they end up drinking either your standard IPA or a or mm. sour IPA that we make, and they love it. Mm. And then, and then you kind of bypass the whole style thing and uh, mm. the snobbishness and the, all the uh, how do you say all the
0: obstructions. Yeah, uh, and people are enjoying themselves then. Yeah, it really reminds me of what uh, Simon was saying about the, the Vildemann it was basically how he would always say like even if you're just used to drinking loads of pills or you come in and you don't they're willing to help you they're willing to kind of bridge that gap for you if if anything to make sure you have the best time in in the place yeah. i think yeah. it, i think that 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 is what a good bar is all about and i yeah. think everybody aspires to it but you
1: can't it's not it's not super self evident
0: yeah and within Utrecht and within the brew pub and Utrecht, is it recognizable? Do you have a good kind of mixture of clientele coming in and drinking yeah, 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 I think but that's also the beauty of utrecht that there's
1: we have six seven breweries with actual kettles there, but everybody is very different mm. so uh, so we own we all have our own little corner mm-hmm. and appreciate uh being there but mm. it's but it's great we have yeah also because we are part of this bigger creative space and there's bands rehearsing there and then we have oh yeah avid cyclist but we also work together with echo uh, a, a great little venue and then yeah. they'll have shows at our place and then we invite a brewer that that is fun so it, it kind of is just one big jumble of
0: yeah. good vibes basically yeah sweet is like growth <laughs> something that drives you like selling a certain amount in order to kind of grow oh yeah well you you, you kind of have to, yeah, and the challenge is more thinking
1: in terms of how how big you want to why be. do you have to well currently we can, well we we kind of have to because we're we are we've always decided that the vibe and the product et cetera goes before the actual money part but and we kinda make it work, but it's not. A little bit more efficient would mm-hmm. be nice, and a little bit more, uh, just yeah. We to be really sustainable, we just have to
0: uh, be a little bit bigger,
1: basically, mm-hmm. just to and sustainable. Just by I'm 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 a, and it's still a challenge to find the size that you want. You want to uh, to be. I mean, the smaller you become, the more expensive your beers are going to become, and yeah, then you rule out a certain you, you part, part of your audience, and then put so that
0: community at risk. Poor really, staff yeah or stuff you yeah.
2: can be uh, you can do it by yourself and then just produce a super small amount and then keep yourself alive but that's it then
1: yeah but yeah and stuff is central right uh, just have your
2: yeah no, that's uh the, yeah yeah. 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 Mm. yeah to
1: me uh, we're we are looking we are we also at a certain point have to move so you kind of run up to the situation and we yeah we are looking in in growing a little bit more are you also in like a temporary lease then yeah all oh, right sucks 50 percent of yeah so yeah then you kind of have to make a couple of decisions so I'll, I'll, I'll expect us to grow a little bit so there's still um but and then um, we but i don't think we are so we we have to make a jump because we're really tiny we st- kind yeah. of started off too small um so then we are going to make a jump but uh, we do consider that kind of jump to be
0: pretty much enough for yeah and what is like the main speedboat speed helicopters?
1: <laughs> no, just one rinky, rinky, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: rinky boat. That's how it now. But it's, that's not, yeah. It's also just, yeah. I mean, we, we are blessed with this super loyal team mm. and we're this skeleton crew. But at a certain point, if you do that quite long, it's like, yeah, but people deserve a bit more.
2: Mm-hmm. Just yeah, I, little really bit more comfortable. I really get that. I really get that
1: very And it's a very difficult thing
2: sure yeah are you looking there more if you want to grow it and maybe put a big slightly bigger brew house i've seen it i uh, i know what it is it's indeed small and not maybe also uh, a kit that <laughs> that uh, results in the most happy brewers maybe uh, happy yeast in the tank with the brewers <laughs> no wow. but,
1: they love it. Yeah, they love yeah, the little yeah, kids. Okay, They're cool, gonna miss
2: cool, it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, are you, if you're talking about growth, this is more having a bigger brew up, bigger venue, also, or also distribution, yeah. or um, um it for both.
1: Yeah, a, a little bit of bit both. Of both. Uh, I would like to. I mean, we've we are now. Uh, we we have a nice following in the Netherlands, and I think there's still a little bit of potential there. And then there we have we only export to the UK and to Belgium, and that's about all we can manage. And then you get requests of getting some your beers, especially the mixed fermentation things, getting them out them a little bit more, and um, you think yeah, and then with and it's not. It's not, again, it's not about being huge and pushing the pellets out, but if we can do what we do now with our importer in, in, in Belgium, and but we can also do that in, uh, in, in Germany or uh, a little bit, uh, and then we instantly have more production and are still small. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, and we, yeah, and there's a growth of, of demand in the land. So. so there's definitely being, I don't want to say, I don't want to, we have to say no quite a lot, And this is too soon to say no at a certain point. I'll Mm -hmm. probably be more comfortable saying no. And then there is indeed uh, uh, the pub can grow a little bit. Um, Sometimes I'm also considering maybe not looking growth in terms of production, but more in venues.
0: Yeah. Um, I was thinking that. Do do you have like a set of, uh, when thinking about the expansion and what might be next, do you have like a set of main principles? Like, for example, like, yes, the brew pub has to be central or yes uh the yeast development has to be a big part of it. Do you think a bit like that i think i think in
1: in terms of we were forced a little bit to think of outside of the brew pub, mostly just for where you can get your spaces and um it's it's complex to to combine everything into one little space mm-hmm. um and then you start thinking, okay, we're still making those beers. what if right uh and then then we tar- when we um think about beers we are still thinking in terms of we want to keep that freedom Mm -hmm. uh, which we now have with that very because we make we make small volumes and our smallest volume is very very small but you're uh, we don't want to be in a position that we can no longer make certain beers because our base volume is Mm -hmm. uh, too big too big Mm. so then you all of a sudden have a well, we make now uh, uh, our autumn specials has on with boiled oranges mm. uh, which we love but it's not necessarily the easiest beer to get out there and one, you don't want to have a half a warehouse full with a beer and nobody wants to mm. feel that pressure so mm. it's kind of looking for that it's also that idea of freedom in your yeah base volume and then the same goes if we want to keep on using the yeast and propagate the yeast
0: how big can we on what scale can we do it mm. all about balance a moment for the third beer on the table shall we yeah, to do it
2: yeah so no choice left
0: do you want to uh introduce this one this is the barrel aged porter if i'm right the keeping porter yeah keeping right? porter. so another big bottle
1: uh we are calling this one jonah and the will just released this this month and it's a barrel ice keeping porter which has been matured in a two of our barrels for the better part of a year i think even more year and a half um so a rich porter beer which we added betanomyces to to dry it out and give it some added characters um and then it's been we tend to reuse barrels quite a lot we tend to find barrels that have a good heritage so that's mostly wine barrels or sherry barrels that then went (coughs) that went through a whiskey phase and then we get them in after the whiskey phase we throw a couple of beers on there and at certain points it it becomes more of a vessel that we can keep on using um so we have barrels that have now have four or five beers in them Mm -hmm. and we hope that like a culture we can create a bit of culture in those barrels
0: Mm. so yeah I have a question about the name. All your beers have this aquatic theme. Where does that come from? And were you a fisherman in the previous life? (laughs) Or would you like to be a fisherman? (laughs) I never um,
1: really uh, felt the appeal of uh, of fishing myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just something that grew that grew out of the name actually and the name we everybody is always asking us where does the name come from um and then i always say nobody's ever asked me that but that's
2: that's (laughs) That's just a a joke joke. (laughs) that's a joke
1: um no but we just started because we had that appeal of there was already that we were already already having that fish Mm -hmm. thing and which is actually a blessing there's two blessings in the name one is having comma or crooked in your name mm-hmm. because then you can basically do whatever you want because mm. nothing has to be straight yeah i don't know it's, it sounds kind of but i don't know you can you don't you can color outside of the lines actually which is your slogan or not i don't know <laughs> it could be but, but uh, maybe. I, I don't know good idea yeah maybe um uh no but uh, so you there's kind of a a flexibility there and to do whatever you want, and then there's the herring, which is just weird as a herring, and then you end up with fish, mm-hmm. endless amounts of fish, and then the mixed fermentation has a little bit more mythical elements to it. Sometimes stories,
0: mm. and it's basically, yeah, just something you ran with in the end, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it really suits it really suits you guys. I think it's great. That's actually
1: I must admit that I that all the names do tend to come from me. So if there's anything very specific you can point out, it's most the names. <laughs> okay. I'm like an expert in Googling fishes <laughs> and like just randomly connecting elements and all of a sudden uh um, you end up with another name.
0: All right. Uh Just moving on to the last part of my questions. I, in recent times, Chais, have they affected your view at all as a brewery and a brew pub the kind of, yeah, let's call them the COVID times. Have you uh, find yourself reap re, re uh, appraising how you run your brewery? Um.
1: <clears throat> well, we had we had the luck of of having a size where we we actually still are are growing a little bit because we're so small and everything is still growing. We just mm. um, so we we I'm currently at, as far as you know, nobody knows how long this is gonna gonna take, but I'm I'm fairly positive how we how we we managed to get through and we were flexible enough to mm. um to switch to switch some stuff around mm. without taking major hits. So we've always yeah. uh, and, uh um so that's on the more practical side. What for me what I really um find interesting is that and I th- yeah it's also been discussed I think in the mm. uh, maybe last week even if you're talking about the local um that local element yeah. is that people are that, that people tended to at least in the first lockdown um, really focused on well what's what's going on around me, sort of what do I consider important and who do I need to support yeah, and we really felt that from the get go, so we felt our community, but we um just from the people that normally buy our beers and wanted to support us, but we also immediately felt felt it as far as our relationship with our beer scene or the brewery scene basically Mm -hmm. so we had like this very fast meet up with those seven Mm. brewers from super tiny tinier than we are to being quite significantly bigger but still craft Mm -hmm. um and we all sat at the same table in utrecht yeah Yeah, yeah. so everybody instantly felt like okay so um felt you you feel your community or for your customers but also all All these businesses feeling their uh, uh the challenge of having a business, having employees having having a place making it all work, but also instantly helping helping each other out mm-hmm. and that to me um that sort of in these very stressful times and the first lockdown was more stressful because the second one kind of feels like we've done this before yeah um but like it felt very supportive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it made me. What something that I already kind of uh, realized the year before, but it's although I, I was talking about export just now and I've done the international uh, events and stuff, but it also kind of made me realize like that I hope that it also underlines that old motto: "Your local brewery is the best brewery," mm-hmm. uh, because it's so impactful for your environment mm-hmm. instead of looking beyond to the newest beers. Or the whole notion of getting your freshest naipa from the US because for way too much money. Mm-hmm. Your local brewery will probably make a fresher one and it's worth it's worth at least as as much support mm-hmm. there. So I'm um I'm very interested what that will uh um trigger on if you look at in terms of craft beer. Mm-hmm. And I hope it sticks. It was already important, your local brewery, but I hope that it extra underlines Mm. the importance of your local brewery.
0: Thanks for listening to the Radio Oedipus podcast. A big thanks to Gijs and also to Sander. If you want to grab some of the Kromer Haring's beer, make sure to head over to their web shop. You can also buy some from the Oedipus friend shop on the Javaplein at the Bad House if you are in Amsterdam. Next week, we chat to Sem Roofs, the director of Mainstadstown, Amsterdam's community garden. Remember to check out previous episodes of the podcast by heading to Oedipus.com forward slash radio and by searching Radio Oedipus on your podcast app. The podcast is available wherever you might get your podcasts and also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And remember to like and subscribe on there to keep up to date. The music on today's show is written and composed by Ola I. Music. Tune in next time for more explorations into the culture of beer.